Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. All month long, we're heading back to school. So grab your backpack, grab your lunchbox, and let's start making sure we are in a learning mode. My guest today is Christina Wise. She's a real estate mogul, a millionaire coach, and creator of several multi-million dollar businesses, including Good Life Luxury, The Paperless Agent, and Wealthy Wealthy. Uh, wealthy, wealthy. We'll have to talk about that distinction. She's an international speaker and author and Amazon bestseller of the book Falling for Money, a romance novel for your bank account. I love it. She's been named one of the 100 most influential real estate leaders in the country and has been featured in USA Today as well as by Apple, Contactually, and Evernote for her creative leadership with emerging technologies. So thank you, Christina, for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. What a pleasure. Thank you. Excellent. You have an amazing background. I can't wait to learn more. So I hit the highlights, but tell us a little bit more in your own words about you and your business and how you help people to shock their potential. Well, what I help people with is in the category of money. And money is a topic that has a lot of shame attached to it. It's very emotionally charged. It's not something we usually talk about over the dinner table. Most of us have been programmed with a money mindset and a belief structure by the time that we're probably seven to 10 years old without realizing it. And we carry that money understanding or lack of way into adulthood. And it can cause and wreak a lot of havoc, especially for entrepreneurs or those that work really hard for the money, but really feel like no matter how hard I work or what I do, I just can't get this money thing in control. Like it feels like it owns me versus owns it. And no matter how much older I get or how much more money I make, I don't feel like I'm getting ahead. I feel like I'm still on that hamster wheel. And the reason why is because money is knowledge-based. We have to learn about money. It's a real life skill, but the problem is it's not taught in school. So we have no way to actually know what I call how to money as an action, how to build wealth, how to create space, how to be able to have time and without just being caught in this hamster wheel that we all find ourselves on without this knowledge-based information that we need to be able to get out of what I call that trap. Yeah. And at the same time, we all believe that we should instinctually know how to build it, manage it, spend it, save it. But so why do we have that expectation that we put on ourselves without any training in it? Well, I think because part of it is obvious. And so the common sense obvious part is that you work for your money and you buy buy things and you have bills and you spend money. So you make money, mm-hmm. you spend money. And because we can do that pretty easily, it makes us think that that's all there is to it. But there's so much more to it. And money has all these principles, laws, mechanics to it that again, that's learning based. So we wouldn't expect to be able to fly a plane without first learning, yeah. reading some books, going to some schools, and then doing a lot of practice, you know, probably yeah. first simulated practices. And then, you know, then we get up in a plane. We wouldn't expect to be able to cut somebody open, you know, be a surgeon without fundamental understanding, anatomy, you know, these basics, and then years of school, and then you go to residency and you start practicing, you know, and you get better with over time. 
with any profession, if you're going to be an architect, you wouldn't plan to be an architect. If you're going to be an entrepreneur or business. So in every other category of life, yeah. other than like the three most important categories, we would expect that we have to learn and practice and apply that learning to be able to gain the skill that allows us to produce the results we want to produce. Yeah. But what I find fascinating, kind of the three or four most important categories of life that we don't do that same thing. One of those would be our health for example. So my right. brand is wealthy, wealthy, that our bodies are number one asset, but most of us haven't taken the time to learn how to be healthy. What's yeah. required and really what's required to be healthy is time to take care of ourselves and money to pay for the cost of being healthy through good food and good water and exercise and maybe supplements and other things that we can do to really help our deficiencies, kind of the lifestyle right. that we lead, stress management that leads, yes. you know, can be vacations or space. Yes. Uh, many with um, relationships and marriages, for example, we don't really go to school or learn anything. Yeah. There's a lot to learn. Once I started delving into, for example, learning about the difference between men and women and relationships and how to be a good partner, you know, yeah. I just thought naturally you kind of fall in love, get married, and it should be easy from there, right? It's like, well, that, right. you know, I find myself divorced. And then I realized, <laughs> well, there's a lot I didn't know when I learned after the fact, like, well, no wonder that didn't work out. I mean, come on. But I was oblivious to it. When it comes to parenting, many things, you know, we have a child yeah. and we think, all right, since we're capable of having children, we should be expert parents. And then this money thing, you know, like these four really important categories of life, we don't learn it. We just kind of yeah. do it. And the thing is we can do all of those, but that doesn't mean that we can do them well or that yeah. we can do them far better if we took the time to educate ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, usually I found myself in state of crisis that kind of forced it upon me to want to learn this money thing. You know, as a result of that learning, what I like to say kind of, or the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is that, you know, people like me that have had no advantages, you know, have learned, have dedicated my adult life to learning this thing, to be good at it. And the result is financial freedom, where your assets pay for the cost of your living. So you actually mm -hmm. have time freedom, but I've created that through learning, right? And so that's what I do today is I have a money school, it's called Sovereignty Academy, where I teach people how to money, how to get out of the trap by learning these very basic fundamental things that once we learn them and know them, we can land the plane successfully time and time and time again, but they have yeah. to be learned. You bring up so many great points. And I love the fact that you make it, you know, this verb, how to money. I mean, that's a really tangible way to describe, you know, what you can do, how you can manage your finances and have your finances meet what you're trying to accomplish. Um, but it's interesting because I'm looking at my son is 30 and he's about to get married. Um, he's got two little kids and I see him making so many poor financial decisions and mistakes that I made at that age and other ages. And as a parent, you want so badly to not have your kids make your same mistake. Not only do you not want them to make mistakes, but you don't want them to make the mistakes you made and had to learn the hard way. Um, but there's no way to tell a 30 year old, you know, Hey, you need to have somebody teach you, or you need to go learn this. And so I see so many people that are committed to this path of, well, I'm just going to figure it out along the way, why would I need to go to a class? Because if you do that, you actually have to pay attention and you have to make different decisions and you have to think about what you're doing. And that takes a lot of momentum from people. Yeah. And it takes sometimes making different choices too. We, oh, would, yeah. we don't want to change the choices we're making. So it's easier to be in kind of subconscious belief in a way that, like you just said, that it's going to figure itself out. It can't be too difficult. You know, I 
I make good money. The biggest, fattest lie or myth that plagues almost everyone, unless they stumble across this work and then adopt a different mindset and belief. But the biggest fat lie in all of this is this belief that the answer to all my money problems is to make more money. Right. So for entrepreneurs, what that looks like is work harder in the business, try to make more money in the business, spend more money to make more money, take more risk to make more money, be caught in that trap. You're an entrepreneur because you think you're going to have more time, but now you're working 10 or now you're working 60 hours a week, no vacations, no paid health care. You think mm-hmm. you're free and you're less free than somebody working a nine to five because nine to five mm-hmm. get to turn it off. They get paid vacations. They get some benefits. They get health insurance. You know, at least yeah. there's some benefits for all of that for let's call the trap entrepreneurship is the biggest trap at all because we believe that we're free we're not free i mean when i first got into entrepreneurship i realized like freedom is my most core fundamental core value like truth and freedom and i thought i was i was in that same belief like you know i'm an entrepreneur like that's some sexiness or some pride to that then i looked around i'm like saying no to everything to the weekend parties because i'm working every weekend or my evenings were all taken by networking things or all this stuff that i felt that i had to do for the success of my business. And now I have 50 employees and I'm on vacations. You know, my kids are saying, mama, mama, like, can we go in the ocean? I'm like, well, wait, honey, I've got two more calls to make because I have hires at home when I'm clear across the ocean, right? I am not free. My business owns me. I don't own my business. I'm chasing the money. I don't have money. You know, it's this big wake up call of, you know, kind of deluding myself that, you know, I almost was superior than those that were nine to five because this was my own deal. So a lot of that, and then working harder to make more money, but that's the biggest trap or if I just get a raise or if I go mm-hmm. from being a manager to a director that is the trap that keeps people yeah. in that belief forever and then you wake up at an older age and you realize that you're no farther ahead than you were when you're 20 or 30 or 40 and it finally hits you at some place like I feel exactly the same but worse because now I'm older and the light bulb finally goes up goes off that that system I've been in entrepreneur or or employee doesn't work yeah. and then some people say I want to see if there's a different way. And I'm just saying there's a different way and it's much easier, but you have to get out of that other mindset and quit working harder, thinking working harder, making more money is the answer. Yeah. And you have to be willing to take um, not only that first step, but like we were talking about the guts, I guess it takes to recognize you're going to have to do some things differently. And, you know, especially Mm -hmm. where it comes down to money, how you spend, how you save, how you invest. If you're constantly feeling like that's not right, then you're probably correct. But to fix it means you have to make different choices. Now that's never easy for people, but it's interesting how many people, once they make those choices go, oh my gosh. I mean, this is the first time in my life, my husband and I've been together over 10 years. First time I've had a financial partner in my life. And it was terrifying at first. I mean, just absolutely terrifying to discuss money with someone else. And now I'm like, wow, what a freedom to not have it be a taboo subject. But you know, it was a little painful in the beginning. Now I would never want to go back. It's very vulnerable. I mean, it's very vulnerable, you know. So because it's vulnerable for many different reasons. The vulnerability comes for many of us until we've schooled ourselves and educated ourselves. The vulnerability, especially as women in many cases, but, you know, not always, not to generalize, but it's this fear of looking or feeling ignorant, like we don't know something. So that's very vulnerable. Like we're vulnerable anytime we feel naive or ignorant about something. And most everybody's ignorant about money until 
we educate ourselves, right? Like there should be no shame in that. It's like, I'm ignorant about so many things, you know, right. but why do we feel shame about being ignorant about money? It's not a bad thing. It just means we don't know yet. Right. right. So um, that can bring a lot of vulnerability. It's just lack of confidence, vulnerability. It's shameful because we feel shame. I like what the work that I do with people, we remove all the shame out of the equation. No matter, we've all made mistakes with money because it's not taught. Like, how would we know better? Of course we've made every mistake. So why do we have any shame about that? Like if we can laugh about it and just realize like, you know, I made stupid mistakes because I didn't know better, right? It's not like anybody's bad people going out there doing, you know, that's something different. So a lot of this kind of feeling of shame, the vulnerability comes with this feeling of shame of like, oh, I've made these mistakes, you know, like, so how do we put that on the table? It's probably a bad example. I've never used it before, but well, I'm not even gonna use it. That's too bad of an example. (laughs) You know, there are many things if, you know, dating or relationships where we're afraid to talk about them because we don't want to be judged negatively. So that comes to the table. And then, you know, another piece just when it comes to money and relationships is that we come from different backgrounds. We have different beliefs, so we don't want to rock the boat. I'm a saver, you're a spender. So how do we reconcile those two ways of being? And wait, teach it you want both in a relationship but when you know how to use both those differences in a very synergistic powerful way and can talk about it and you both get to save and spend at the same time to keep it kind of equally balanced because one may sound better than the other but somebody that just saves 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 and never spends is a hoarder and hoarder is no better than somebody that spends everything so it can be a really nice balance but again there's all these emotions and fears and you know um kind of set ways that can really cause a lot of friction and make it a taboo subject especially i mean i can't tell you how many people i work with that they have otherwise great marriages and money is the one thing that plagues their marriage it's the one thing that causes friction it's the one thing that creates conflict it's the one thing that they ignore or lie about or whatever the case is that you know creates a little bit of weakness or little cracks in the marriage everything else is great so you know again these are all easy things to solve but we have to get over this fear of money yeah i agree i love it well christina we're going to take a quick break we're going to hear from our sponsor and we will be right back have you ever considered hiring a virtual assistant but didn't know where to start let kukua biz help Kukua Biz matches talented professionals from Kenya with small businesses around the globe. Affordable weekly rates allow you to have a dedicated full-time staff member to help you with anything from administrative tasks, social media management, public relations, and more. Go to kukuabiz.com today for more information or email info at kukuabiz.com. Kukua Biz, that's K-U-K-U-A. B-I-Z dot com. And we are back with Christina Wise and we are talking all things money. And as you were talking right before the break about, you know, this sense of, you know, understanding there needs to be balance, you know, especially in relationships or, or even within ourselves, that saver, that spender, how they work in tandem is really important in a lot of ways. So there's a lot that you're teaching us already, but I'm asking all my guests this month to teach us something that will help us better personally, professionally with our businesses. So I'm assuming we're going to be along the same lines. What can you teach us today? Oh my gosh. Well, when it comes to 
money, you know, that's why I have a, a school that has a semester because we have a semester's worth of learning really just to learn the basics. I, I mean, my first tip is just to say that if anybody listening has where money causes some type of friction or keeping us up at night, then the first thing to do is to get curious about learning. Just mm -hmm. know that there's so much to learn and money is not difficult. I like to share that part of the learning, like anything, that there's these fundamental principles and laws when it comes to money. And we can start to learn those. Now we can make different choices. So a lot of the problem is we're making choices that are counterproductive, that are self-sabotaging our best intentions, and we don't know it. So one of those principles, for example, is called Parkinson's Law of Money. And Parkinson's Law of Money has kind of these two parts. And part one, and this is a law, meaning it's a money commandment, that it's a truth, that if you believe this to be true, then it can be very eye-opening. And I kind of live by this truth what I, because I believe it's a truth to money with all my studies. And Parkinson's Law of Money, the first thing that it says is expenses will always rise to match income. Mm, yes, true. So that's why it's a myth that working harder to make more money will solve your money problems. It causes more money problems. The more money you make when you don't understand money, it actually causes more problems yes. for most people. So it's the opposite of what we believe to be true. So what that means is if, you know, when we start out of college, we're making $50,000 a year, how much do we spend? Our lifestyle expenses are 50K. Mm -hmm. Now we double that. Now we're making six figures. Do we stay with the apartment that's 50,000? Do we stay with the car that's 50,000? Do we stay on the vacations or buy? No, our lifestyle automatically now goes to be a $100,000 lifestyle expense of a $100,000 income earner. Right. Now we think, man, I'm just barely getting by. And where's the money at the end of each month? And I'm still strapped. The answer must be at $250,000. I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. I'm going to bust my ass. I'm going to go out and figure out how to make $250,000. And I do. Next thing you know, you're in the lifestyle and the social status club of the 250000 Now the yes. cars change, the vacations change, the houses change, the second home changes, the boat change, whatever we add to it. But the problem is, is this isn't obvious. Mm -hmm. It just is called expense creep. It happens. Mm -hmm so invisibly, we don't even know it. And it's natural because there's biology wrapped in, there's social status in these different things. It's Definitely. human that's built in. So that's why it happens. And you know, the why is not even necessarily important, it's just the way it is. So that's what it is. So until we realize, don't shouldn't be managing our expenses by our income, but we should be managing our income according to our expenses. Yeah. You change things to not be a victim of Parkinson's law. The second piece of Parkinson's law says that once a luxury becomes a necessity. So mm -hmm. as our income goes up, our lifestyle yes. and kind of our conveniences and comfortability goes up and our status matches that. Again, these are all normal human things. There's nothing good or bad or right or wrong about them. It just is. But what happens is we get used to these lifestyles. So when something happens, like a decrease in income, or we want more time space, or we want to do the second side hustle, or whatever we want to do mm -hmm. that requires more time, meaning maybe less money for or pandemic hits or something, mm -hmm. is that we don't have the space for it. Mm -hmm. We can't take that time we, because we don't want to let go of those luxuries that right. have become necessities. We don't want to trade the BMW in now for the Honda, right? Right. 
Because so I that's, was already that's in that, that Honda. That, right. That was on my yeah, like, gonna, what are my friends going to think if I'm not driving the BMW that everybody else is driving? Again, just a yeah. human biology thing. So that's Parkinson's law, for example. Another thing, just a tip and something to learn is that having personal debt, i.e. credit card debt, student loan debt, this personal debt that lasts a long time, and but especially credit card debt, you, you have credit card debt. The banks are using you for their own best interest. It is a rigged game. So if you don't yeah. understand that this whole thing out there is one big grand game, and you don't educate yourself not to be a you know, a pawn in the game, right? The banks get richer, and you're staying paycheck to paycheck, regardless of how much money you make. I call it a high income broke person. Been there, done that. But yeah. the thing is, is that having credit card debt that you're making minimum payments on and building wealth and freedom are mutually exclusive. Yes. And yep. if we have credit card debt, what that means is we are living a life we can't afford under the illusion we can afford it because it fits into our monthly amount of money we can spend. Right. So that's the illusion. It feels like we can afford it because we can afford the minimum payment, but we can't afford the lifestyle we've created for ourselves if we have a car payment and credit card payment and payment, payment, payment. So yeah. I teach a philosophy that is you become your own banker. You're the bank. You're mm -hmm. not participating in the banking system unless you're leveraging it very intentionally, strategically, and understandably. Otherwise, yeah. you're just a pawn in the big red game. So there's a lot of these things. And, and kind of the fourth thing that I guess I'll say here, again, I could talk all day long, but um, <laughs> is that money and time really are the same thing. So we need to buy time with our money as opposed to the other way around. We trade yes. time for money versus using our money to buy time. And that's through wealth creation. Wealth is what time is. What wealth is, is wealth, the way I describe it, is first of all, an asset. If we give a distinction for an asset, an asset, not something that's, you know, your CPA or it's on your tax return right. balance sheet. Right. An asset, in my distinction, means it creates money. It throws off money. So, mm -hmm. for example, as a real estate investor, my real estate net worth produces enough cash flow, let's say, and my other assets, but my let's just pretend I were only invested in real estate, my real estate assets, since I've been buying, you know, and building my net worth over the number of years that I have, if the cash flow from those assets fully fund the cost of my lifestyle, mm -hmm. that's what financial freedom is. So mm -hmm. I've been very intentional over using time on my side to over time acquire these assets with the goal that my assets would pay for the cost of my lifestyle. And when you hit to a place of financial freedom, like life changes, that's the goal. The goal is financial freedom, but it's intentional. You have to know how much money is enough. You have to put money into a compounding calculator. If you've never opened up a compounding calculator, there's a big flag. Like there's what a compounding what? So what that means is that now my money that I invested over all those years bought my time I have today. So now I have yes. the time to do whatever the hell I want, right? That yep. fits within the amount of cash flow that those assets throw off. So that's where time and money are kind of the same thing. But, you know, where everybody else was spending all their money, you know, 10 years ago, according to theirs, I didn't spend all my money on a month to month. I took a big chunk of my money so I could buy my time for today. Right. So when it comes to your son or my kids, one of the best things I think we can do for ourselves is to learn this money game and play it well. Oh, and then hopefully be able to kind of teach or encourage our children because it's not taught in school. So that to your right. point, we don't, they don't make the same mistakes. 
Right. But I'm just saying that the earlier you start, the more time you have and the easier Absolutely. it is. Absolutely. And you and the younger you start, you're going to make some early on beginner mistakes, but you yeah. have a lot of time to make up for those mistakes too. And yeah. so anyway, the more time that you have to compound, it's the double opinion a day. If you've not heard of that, I invite everybody listening to go Google double opinion a day. Mm -hmm. And my question here, and I'm not going to give the answer is that if you doubled a penny every single day, how much would it be at the end of 30 days? And if I gave you the choice, would you take a million dollars today? Or would if I gave you a penny and told you it would double every day, would you take that option? And a lot mm -hmm. of people would take the million dollars today, right? And you would be shocked as to how much money it is at the end of a penny doubling day but just google it and look at that chart yeah and that's the principle of compounding using time where money compounds and that's where your money is working for you and you're just not working with your money and it takes yeah. a lot of time to do that a lot more time than we understand so when you have 20 years on your side to do that you can amass a compounded fortune and i'll finish here just so i can give some numbers to bring some like some uh, where it's not just so elusive but more practical with some numbers you know some of the work that i do I, we learn our gaps what are our money gaps meaning what's this target that i need to hit to get to this place of you know financial freedom or some part of financial freedom by a certain age so right. let's just say that I have determined that I have a $2 million gap and a $2 million gap. Some rules of thumb are that it's pretty much, let's say the, the cash flow income is about 50,000 per million. So let's say like the work, if you were to come to me and we did some of this work together through my school and I determined that, okay, I want to have passive slash asset income of $100,000 a year. That's going to cover my lifestyle, you know, so I don't have to work or I don't have to work as hard as I do now. $100,000. I have zero net worth now, um, asset net worth, and I need $2 million. And I have 20 years to do that. So 20 years, $2 million will be $100,000 in income when I kind of hit that 20-year-older future self. And think of yourself 20 years older. Make it real. Mm -hmm. Put yourself, visualize, I'm this age today, in 20 years, I'll be Y age. And feel that person. You're going to be that person, you know, hopefully, right? Yeah. So you're going to be 20 years older. So where do you want to sit financially in 20 years? Because you're the choice you make today or don't make today is going to determine how much money your 20-year-old self that's coming quicker than you think yep. is going to be sitting in that shoe. Where are 20 years old? We wish we'd have done this 20 years sooner. We'd probably be in better financial places, right? Exactly. But anyway, let's say we say it's $2 million. So these are very rough numbers, you know, rounded numbers. But what that means is we would need to be put approximately investing $2,800 a month for 20 years without missing a payment, mm -hmm. right? $2,800 a month for 20 years without missing a payment to equal the $2 million at a 10% a double digit return. Yeah. So just let that sit in for a second. Meaning when we really think about that, this is where you have to do your numbers. I call it know your numbers. You need to do some math. And this is what we're not taught. We're not taught that this is shit we need to do. That's yeah. why I get so passionate about teaching it because sometimes like, holy cow, like where am I going to come up with $2,800 a month? And you mean 20 years without pain? missing a payment for only $2 million, which is maybe only $100,000. It might even be less than I'm making today. 
but these are how the numbers work out. But we're oblivious to them. We're ignorant to them. We don't understand compounding. But this is the magic of compounding. If you were to multiply $2,800 a month, like, you know, times um, 240 months, I think that's 20 years, mm -hmm. that will equal approximately $675,000. Mm -hmm. So what that means is you busted ass for 20 years without missing a payment to save that money and to invest it in a good asset assets for over 10% by being smart. You don't get that by just doing it the normal way. You actually okay. have to do something different than just throwing it in an index fund or giving it to your planner. So you've already outsmarted 99.9% .9 of the people to achieve that. Now you've worked and saved all of those months and it's only worth if you would just put it under your pillow, assuming there's not even inflation or you know anything okay. that's making that a lower number. The question is, is, well, Christina, you said $2 million. Your hard work out of that $2 million only produced 675,000. The rest of that 1.23, whatever it is, Yep. came from that 675 compounding, right? Your money just outperformed your hard work over 20 years, two to one. Yep. That's how you get rich. That's how you create wealth. And there's no way to escape it unless you have a lottery win and lottery yeah. wins can happen, right? Sometimes they you can, can sell your business for that yeah. period of time. There can be lottery wins, but who wants to bank on a lottery win, right? right? Some people buy lottery tickets. And, you know, hoping for lottery win, entrepreneurs, I call it, just thinking your business is going to be the lottery win. It's a different type of lottery ticket. You might win. Most people yep. don't. So exactly. don't we want to know how we can guarantee this for ourselves as opposed yeah. to, you know, keeping our fingers crossed that the lottery win is going to happen. So I'll complete yeah. by saying that hopefully those are some nice tips or just some, you know, a little bit of education, if you will, since we're going back to school. But my thing is go to money school. We yeah. need to create wealth, not just for ourselves, but for our children. Times are changing. Learning this money thing is more important than ever. Nobody's got our backs on this. So, you know, you kind of see some writing on the wall. And the only way I believe to protect ourselves and to provide as much, you know, opportunity and safety and security as possible is to educate educate, educate ourselves. I agree. And I love it. Go to money school. There's our back to school. Go to one you've not been to yet and take every course you need to. I love it. Well, Christina, we are going to have all of your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody wants to look you up right now, because they cannot wait to start your money school, what's the best way for them to reach you? I've got a couple of things. The first thing is if you're interested in money school, I have my fall semester starting up here, depending on when this releases, but if it's not fall, have a winter class, but just go to sovereigntyacademy.com and there's all the information there on the school. And it's a school, it's a money school. So that's, if you're interested and intrigued, that's a good place to start. If you just want to read I, my book that you referenced, it's called Falling mm -hmm. for Money. So you can go to fallingformoney.com and I cover kind of the highlights in an easy to read fun book where I tell a lot of story and it's actually a fun little read. It, it won't be boring or, you know, won't put you to sleep at night and it's a pretty easy read, but it'll give some of the basics that I've talked about on the show. So it's just a nice little easy freebie download and a, a way to get started if anybody's interested. Excellent. Well, and before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice? for my listeners and viewers? You know, my my thing is just like make money a curiosity and, mm. you know, to get good at it. I love it. Thank you, Christina, so much for not only your great advice, but really impactful um, stories that hit us all. So thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more 
how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees and sales mixology. Why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.